there's a message that's trying to be communicated. For me, it was a message from God. And it requires you to go through extreme ups and downs before you learn to listen. There's always a pandemic around the corner, whether it's worldwide like this one or whether it's localized in your community, whether it's in your relationship or marriage, in your family's health and your finances, losing a job. There's always a pandemic around the corner. And when you make that commitment to your customer, it changes the way you communicate with your customer because now you're a decision-making partner, not an advocate of the company or the product. Sure, confidence is the lack of practice and skill. A lack of confidence is the lack of practice and skill. And so when I'm getting ready, when I'm working out, when I'm driving, I'm listening to the people that I admire. And it's like fuel. It's like fuel. So fuel up. You got the whole world in your hands, most of you. Use it. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. My virtual world tour continues, and today I'm traveling not too far to Irvine, California, to meet with Joe Saman and talk about the domination mindset and domination selling. Uh, this is a pretty cool guy that's been through a lot, and I'm super excited to honor his story, and I'm sure that you're going to get a lot of cool tools to you know, get a better mindset, become better salespeople, and hopefully you know, level up in life. Before we do that, I just want to read a pretty amazing quote by Joe himself, and then we'll get started. And this is from 2008, when he was in a completely different headspace than he is today. I collapsed in the shower of an apartment I was about to get evicted from. It hit me all at once, the emotion, embarrassment, the naysayers, the doubt, the frustration of losing so much, and a flashing sequence of all the bad decisions I had made along the way. The tears were running down my face like a waterfall, and after spending about five minutes on the shower floor, the water turned cold, and then it happened. I realized that I was not good enough to outperform any storm and that I only made good money during good times or easy economies. I picked myself up and decided that I would do whatever it took to become someone whose value and skill set is unquestionable and respected by all and would head out to impact and lift as many people as I could during the process. I knew this was it. I began to study, research, practice, implement, and develop my skills and mind to a degree of obsession. So let's welcome Joe Saman. Thanks, man. I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, I mean, reading that, you know, I was trying to visualize myself being in your position. You know, here you are laying on that shower floor and like, shit. What's going on in my life? And I think we've all had those moments where we're kind of lost. We've tried everything and it's not good enough. And I know a lot of people are struggling with that right now as we are speaking, right? Because a lot of things are changing. So can we just uh, try to go back to when you're, can you try to kind of mentally go back to when you're laying on that shower floor and like, why did it shift for you that and, 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 and not in other moments of your life? What was so unique or special about this moment, mm -hmm. you think? You know, the, the most powerful part of moments like that is that, you know, there's a message that's trying to be communicated. For me, it was a message from God. And it requires you to go through extreme ups and downs before you learn to listen. When things are going well and life is on cruise control, it's very difficult to hear or see, you know, purpose, um, you know, your, your future um, or be self-aware of what you're capable of. And so I, I, I know now that, you know, going through something like that, I mean, majority of the embarrassment coming from that, that episode that lasted quite a while over a year in 2008 was not just because I was going, you know, there was a recession and I had lost a house and had then gotten evicted. And then had, it was the fact that 
four and a half years, almost five years before that, I moved to California. I was living in my car for four and a half months, broke, met people, got into an industry, did well in sales, made over a million dollars, and then lost it again. So it wasn't just the, the, the fact that I was going through a tough time. It was the embarrassment that I had made so much progress and so much money and then found myself, you know, through, um, you know, forcefully, partially by the economy and also by me procrastinating on, on planning my future properly, proactively, and also paying attention to what was really happening around me. And what was really happening, I noticed, and is happening again right now, I've been warning about it for the past three or four years, is when the economy is great and money's growing on trees and everybody's doing well and everybody's buying name brand things and splurging here or there and getting a brand new car or just bought our first home. Everybody tends to brag about these things when the, the, the environment around them is great. And that creates a blindness to not be prepared for what might be around the corner. There's always a pandemic around the corner, whether it's worldwide like this one or whether it's localized in your community, whether it's in your relationship or marriage, in your family's health and your finances, losing a job. There's always a pandemic around the corner. And when times are good, we stop improving at an accelerated rate. And when you stop improving yourself, your mindset, your skill set, your heart, your emotional stability, when you stop looking at those things on a regular basis, you become susceptible to whatever is around the corner. And it hit me hard. I mean, uh, I've had a lot of fighters on my podcast and I'm, I'm a martial artist myself. And very nice. few fighters actually come back from a devastating knockout because mm -hmm. there's something that happens with the mind. We see all these fighters, they're so strong, they're indestructible. And then mm -hmm. someone comes along and knocks them out. Something happens in the mind, uh, which I think was pretty similar to what happened to you that day. But the difference is you came back. So I'm curious, do you, do you recall what tools or what you had to learn in order to come back, uh, which few people do, and I think more can do it if they knew the process and the steps of mm -hmm. actually coming back? Mm -hmm. You know, I had had enough periods of success in my life and reinforcement from other people to know that I had talent. Um, I had an, a, a very one of those lucky guys who had a great upbringing, perfect parents, great family, right? Very lucky. So I had a good foundation. And I find that those things, along with you know your mental health and your physical health combined, help people to to rebound quicker. And it, I think it comes with the um, the realization, especially in today's world. You look around like. Every, most of the things that we're seeing online and on social media is show everybody in such a glamorous, successful, happy light that it's very easy to come down on yourself, especially if you're in an extreme sport like, like MMA or you have extreme goals as a business person or you vocalized huge goals and then failed in front of your audience, your, your environment, your friends, your family. And, uh, it's very important to reflect on your wins. Super important to not forget, go back in time and remember the other challenges that you had overcome. Look, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter what level you're at, you're better than where you were before. And so that concept of knowing that all it takes is for you to apply yourself to something. You might need to pivot. Maybe you need to choose a different sport but you still have that fire inside of you that is a creator. And by learning, accelerated learning through, we, we're connected to experts from all over the world. Dude, when you and I grew up, you couldn't just pick up your phone and look up profound information from every expert in the world. You know, so with the great foundation, reflect on your wins, learn how to recognize and understand your own personal fire, and then realize that if you've fallen, it's a call for improvement. It's a call to keep going, not to buckle. Doesn't mean that you have to continue going down the same lane. 
right? Sometimes you do have to adjust. Sometimes you do have to pivot, but you don't stop. It's not a failure. I hate it. You know, all these cliche quotes, you know, you look around, you're on social media all the time. You see everybody repeating the same popular words. Failure way to success. Failure is a part of the process. Why are we glorifying this type of mindset so much? It's called life. It's like that for everyone. No matter what level you're at, your problems are proportionate to the path you've chosen. If you're a billionaire and you have problems, your problems are proportionate to the path you've chosen. If you're a fighter and you got knocked out, your challenges are proportionate to the decisions you made. If you're a business coach and you're going through a tough time, your challenges are equal to the environment you've created around yourself. It's just part of life, man. You keep going. You keep going. And if you pay attention to some of the other things that are happening around the world and other communities and people's health in other countries and, and just the basic everyday things that we think are normal are super, super luxurious. I mean, it doesn't take that long to check yourself. And for me, I, I came up with a phrase, and, you know, and I keep using it and I still have to use it till today. In fact, even over the past year, I found myself going through more emotional roller coasters because I'm at a different point in my life and there are new challenges. And the concept is what you want to practice is to catch it quicker and quicker and quicker every single time. If you can learn to catch it quicker, accept it for what it is, not make too big of a deal out of it, and then take the next step, I think that's a, a superpower that we've been given as humans. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I'm curious uh, to to kind of what happened the day after, you know, you lay in that shower. Do you recall? Because usually it's, we, we always hear this story and then I pick myself up and then 14 years later, you're fucking amazing. But I mean, what happened the day after? Because it's it's a process, right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, I was I was a year and a half into my sales coaching career. And the first year was easy because the economy was booming. I was mentoring mortgage companies and people that have known me as a leader in the community. But when, when you know, the economy got super hard, super quick, it, it wasn't, I realized I'm not far al along enough into my career and my knowledge and, and the respect that I have from people, for people to say, I still need you. Yeah. It was more like, you're an extra. When times are good, we don't mind pain. But when times get tough, eh, not so much. So for me, the next day and the next day and the next day involved hours and hours of obsession through, through uh, you know, personal reflection and obsession through pain of studying. You know, I had to run out and get books, whatever I could afford. I would spend hours and hours and hours laying out outside in the sun because I love the sun just trying to pick up things that I thought were, could be useful in my career from something, you know, basic and inspirational like Tony Robbins all the way to looking at things that I've never looked at before research on consumer behavior, research on um, psychological developments, um, neuroscience, you know, reading case studies from massive companies who had experimented in things in marketing and sales and leadership and how to get people to perform. I mean, I was just inundating myself with information, 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 repetitively, constantly, day in and day out, not sitting on the couch and reading a book for entertainment or for meditation. I was desperately trying to absorb as much as I could so that I could provide value, solutions, ideas, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and strategy to the people that I was asking you know, to, to serve. Yeah. It was crazy, dude, day in and day out. Yeah. And I mean, what motivated you at that time? I mean, you were committed, but how, like, why did you keep going and keep doing this for a while? Because I, I see, mm -hmm. I help people and I think a lot of people are super motivated the first days or weeks into the business. And then when they realize they're calling people, nobody's picking up or saying no, then it's not yeah. as fun anymore. And then you're not motivated. Then yeah. it goes into commitment, right? Yeah. Which not that many people have the tools to build and we want to help them with that. Sure. You know, I, I had, I ruled out the alternative, yeah. the, you know, the, the alternative of, of just 
going and, you know, for some people it's completely okay to just find another job and keep going and support your family, do what you need to do. For me, it would have been one of my biggest personal embarrassments ever to quit now. And I knew I wouldn't live with it. And I was also, you know, a single man living alone. My family spread out throughout the country. And um, I didn't have, you know, at that, you know, children to be uh, responsible for, or I wasn't in a relationship where I felt I needed to provide. I was like, look, it's just me. I'm going to live on eggs, water, tea, right? (laughs) Um, You know, whatever I had, you know, the extra money for. Um, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I'm going to sleep wherever I need to sleep. And I'm going to continue to develop myself. And by the way, you know, it's becoming obvious over the past two to three years that you you have to continue to develop yourself at an even greater accelerated rate than what I was doing back then in order to remain, you know, what I call in a domination mindset. Because being competitive and you know, doing your job every day and just providing good customer service. That's not enough. This thing that we've been given between our soul to our brain has capabilities that I will probably never be able to tap into my capabilities throughout my life. I mean, I may have to live a thousand years. I don't know. But to forget, to think that, that you're another quote that I hate, I'm enough. Now I understand I'm enough from a self-love perspective. But I think people take these cliche quotes and, and they're like, I'm enough. And I don't need to, it doesn't mean you don't need to work on yourself or become better. And then complain five years down the road why your life isn't going the way that you wanted it. Why you're so easily knocked down by a recession or a breakup or, you know, a friend um, backstabbing you. If you're very easily corroded and, and, and demolished and contracted, it means that you have not become enough. You have not become as resilient as you could be. You have not become as emotionally firm as you could be. You've not become as forgiving as you could be. You've not become as skilled as you should be. And so I've got, you know, I've got this fascination with you know, continuously you know, doing whatever I can to take my audience, my clients, my students, you know, even my friends sometimes, and helping them, you know, through my stories and my example and my studies to try to build that awareness, that self-awareness that we see lacking so much in our country, especially right now. The lack of self-awareness, the lack of emotional stability, very easily reactive, very easily caught off guard, very easily angered. We're seeing it right now. And to me, that is way, way like catastrophically much bigger of a pandemic than any virus that that you know the human race will ever endure always will be i mean i it's so interesting because for me that's the way of the martial artist you know uh, having control over your mind and your emotions which is mm-hmm. so easy when everything is going your way right mm-hmm. uh, but when we are challenged we bring out the worst or the best in ourselves, right? And I, mm-hmm. I'm a victim of that myself. Even though I consider myself on a very high level emotionally, I get sure. carried away too. And I, yep. and I, I maybe yep. say something that I regret, even yeah. though it's not that often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's so, so interesting how the human mind works. Uh, what have you learned by working with you know top salespeople and helping them? Uh, like, what are the things that we could all use to be more, you know, sure, emotionally sure. intelligent. So it's, it's not, to me, it's not about having the gift to gab or being super smooth or being a, you know, a wolf of Wall Street closer or anything like that. The, the ones, the, the students of mine that I admire the most follow my number one rule of selling. And that is to care before you close. Actually, the definition is the one who understands the customer more than anyone else will have the customer's commitment organically. It doesn't have to be pressure. Most people spend time glorifying their product, their service, their brand, their company, their process, right? Their experience. And they've talked themselves and their organizations and their people to give presentations on these topics that are so impressive. Well, in this day and age, Anytime that you're transferring information to a customer, it's the feeling of being sold. 
and customers in this new economy are no longer tolerating the feeling of being sold. In fact, I find in many cases, customers do not want to go shop around and give everybody their information and et cetera. We're inspiring them to shop and procrastinate and to be nitpicky because we sound people, not me, Joe, I promise you. If you listen to people in, in, within each vertical, 80 to 90% of the words that they use with their customers are the same because they, te- they hand out each other, they, they pass their skills on to each other. And as an industry matures and the customers shop in that industry, the customers are now memorizing the things that salespeople in that industry say because the sales core is not about There's two things. Number one, you have to fully understand everything and anything that might impact or help this person's decision. Number two, you have to make a promise to the customer that no matter what happens, I have a great product, they have a great product, we have a good service. My responsibility is to help you make the right decision. Do you move forward or not? And when you make that commitment to your customer, it changes the way you communicate with your customer because now you're a decision-making partner, not an advocate of the company or the product. If it's not the right thing, you have no problem walking away. If it's not a good investment for your customer, you're the first one to say it. And when you come from that level of certainty and confidence and you've practiced the strategies that I lay out for, for my students, What you find, especially right now, dude, is that this type of communication with your customer is so rare that it creates an instant bond and level of trust with your customer without having to use all these old school, out of the book sales tactics that these sales experts have been teaching for 30 years when they haven't been direct selling themselves. I mean, it's it's so funny because my yoga teacher always said, put your head in your heart. And I'm, I'm always trying to do that in business. And it served mm-hmm. me very well uh, because you gain the trust from people. Sure. And when you truly serve, you always get rewarded. Right. It, it's, it's unbelievable. But how do you build that confidence, though? Because I think when, when I'm confident, I don't have a problem mm-hmm. of doing that. But when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm not confident, it's, it's much harder. Sure. Confidence is the lack of practice and skill. A lack of confidence is the lack of practice and skill. So first, for me, it's by helping people to at least see that a lot of the things that they'd say to their customers or to their community are very similar and that that they're not unique because of the intentions they have. The customer cannot see intentions. The customer can only feel the vibrations and hear your words. So the second step then is I I rewrite a a base model of their entire communication process from A to Z using much more modern and effective linguistics and patterns and questions and closing styles. And then we start teaching them that chunk by chunk. Part one, we broke on it, practiced it. Did you feel it? Did you feel the control? Did you see the resistance drop? Yeah. Part two, get into the basics, get to know your customer's basic circumstances, find out if you should even move forward. Part three, go into discovery, start to ask challenging questions, things they've never heard before, go deeper, deeper, deeper. You see what I'm saying? And we practice something I call a progression, which helps the customer feel like, when I speak with you, Peter, I feel like I'm going in the right direction. I don't feel like I need to shop or get a quote or question your integrity. I feel like when I speak with you, I'm just automatically headed in the right direction. And when we, when we measure their progress in each area numerically, yeah. and they start to see the type of control that they have over the quality of the relationship with the customer, that's when you start to see their confidence levels go up. Yeah. And it's very important that we track those along the way. Yeah. So, for example, if your average conversations you know, were you know, seven minutes long and now they're 13 minutes long, we track that. You know, if you um, tend to get a lot of distractions from your customer and questions and, you know, and, and they're, you know, in shopping mode, we measure that and we watch those things disappear as the, com- as the customer's partnership and confidence level grows with you. So it's very important to like 
measure people's progress. And most sales organizations don't do it properly. The only thing they want is deals. We want deals. How many did you close? Put it on the board. How many did you close? Ring the bell. How many? Bro, it's not fucking Wall Street. It's not 1995. I'm with you, man. I'm with you totally. And the, the only thing that I... This is very high level mastery. This reminds me of when you when you see a, a fighter doing things effortlessly, almost like watching Bruce yeah. Lee yeah. back in the days. Mm-hmm. And I love it. But how do you convince a person that is an average salesperson that's been taught mm-hmm. how to, you know, this is how you do it. You have to have the sure. script. You have to ask for the uh, the deal you have to do that like how do you get them to mm-hmm. understand that you're not Dude, losing that's a control. powerful question yeah it's one, this is one of my favorite questions because it's, it's probably one of the most intelligent questions you can ask a sales coach to find out if they're the real deal so first i earn respect i may spend three to six weeks simply explaining to them the actual research that i've done showing them the research that I've done, explaining the psychology, role-playing the difference between A and B. And what I find is when I, when I first take the sales agent through my learning process, whether they get it 20% or 100% doesn't matter. Anything is good. Then they start to go, damn, that really does make sense. And then I would simply ask, would you like me to write, fast-track you? and write the language that you can begin experimenting with. And then I tell them, please, I want you to know when you're practicing new language, when you're practicing new questions, when you're eliminating sales patterns, from maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable for a while, but you got to remember everything that you learned in sales right now, you didn't know shit when you first started. You learned all that too. You started with nothing too. And so if you can just commit with me for about 90 to 120 days, you're going to go through something called naturalization. And then you're going to go back in time and I'm going to ask you to listen to your calls, to listen to your sales presentations from three months ago. And you're going to be like, damn, that was me? I forgot that I used to talk like that. They've established new habits. Now, this doesn't happen with 100% of the sales agents. Some sales agents make 10% improvements. Some of them commit to it 120%. Some of them 50%. Some of them are hybrids. They like the way that they sell, that you know, it makes them feel cool and so forth. So I tell them, just mix it. Take what works. But I am going to measure everyone's progress, not just the people who are, who are opting in. And then you create a culture, what I call a pull culture, where if you can make it long enough to where, regardless of how much experience or how much ego you have in the room, if you can just... Most companies, I have those three, four, five, six people that catch on right away. And usually they're new or underdogs. And when their numbers start to go up, it raises the bar for everyone. Because if Kevin is doing now, he used to doing triple what he used to do, then everybody should. And we watch the performance culture of the company go up steadily. This is not... 30-day process this is usually three to seven months before we see catastrophic results how do you deal with you know uh, going into a company helping them and you 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 might be met by skepticism and and Mm -hmm. does this really work like how do you keep your confidence for for 120 days remember i mean before i got into coaching i was in sales for 16 years And every time they would bring in some dude from the outside, I'd be like, here we fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Man? Has, has he even sold? <laughs> has he even worked in our industry before? Does he even know like what's going on? Right. And so right off the bat, I mean, we're having a pretty serious conversation, but I would say, you know, the first three or four sessions I have with a company, they're dying laughing. Yeah. And I'll come into a room and I'll say, Hey guys, what's going on? I'm like, let me guess. All of you were probably saying I'm so excited this guy that we've never met before claiming to be an expert coming into our industry, teaching us how to do what we've already been doing. We're already successful. A couple of you are top producers. I bet you were super excited to meet me today. I bet you couldn't wait to come to this meeting, right? And they all just look at me and smile. Yeah. And I go, seriously, how many of you are thinking, who the fuck is this guy? And why am I leaving my desk? I need to be doing business right now, closing my deals, not listen to some motivational dude. How many of you felt that before you walked in? How many of you thought that, you know what, told your manager, this better be fucking worth my time? 
excuse my French, but these are salespeople, right? How many, and then everybody raises their hand. I'm like, how many of you thought, you know what? You know, I'm so tired of having sales trainers come and go, come and go, come and go, and it never, ever works. How many of you felt that before? How many of you have been to Motivation? How many of you have been to Tony Rock? I cover the whole room. Cover the whole room. I'm like, all right, now that we got that out of the way, let me make you a promise. I will earn your respect. Day by day, week by week. Some of you will use a lot of our training. Some of you will use a little bit. I never want anyone ever to step in this training unless it is 100% your will. Do not come in here because your manager told you you have to. I'm saying it now. Come in here selfish, willing, flexible, whether you like 10% of it or 100% of it, that's all we ask. And I start with that type of a foundation, which makes it very real for the sales agents. you know. And we just start building from there. And it's a little fun. It's joking around. It's seriousness. It's cool stuff. And usually within, within three weeks now, of course, 14 and a half years later, after having the results, you know, the hundreds of companies that I've mentored and the reputation that I have, usually within two or three weeks, people are, you know, pretty, pretty excited. There's always one or two people in the group that are stuck in their ways. I stay friends with them just to say as same as everyone else. That would be ignorant. I don't like that guy. Why he doesn't come to training. Who fucking cares? That's his decision. Who cares? I will help the people who have an open heart. I love that. And I will also respect and enjoy the company of everyone else too. But where does that confidence come from? Because, you know, coming into a room and saying all these things, mm-hmm. it takes takes a lot of inner assessments yeah. and work, you know? Yeah, you're right. There's different, there's different phases of confidence. Now it comes from, you know, me reaching... You know, I'm not happy with it at all, but reaching a level of mastery in my art. And now being able to, now I've walked into over 20 industries, many of which I've never sold in. And because my understanding of human behavior, language, emotion, and and sales in general is so strong that literally within weeks, I can adapt to an industry and start seeing proof and results right away. And having done that dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times, sometimes I say to my students, I said, I've been here before. You're not my first barbecue. I've been here. I've seen the skepticism. I've seen the curiosity. I've seen it all. Some of you will double and triple your income. Some of you, listen to me, within 90 to 120 days, some of you will double and triple your income. Some of you won't. Some of you will tell me, Joe, I'm really not interested and I don't have any ambition to go that far. Some of you will say it's helping. Some of you will change your life. Some of you are going through problems right now that nobody knows about and money's going to help you. Whatever it is, this is not the first time I'm getting these results. You are not my experiments. You are not a test. You are not, let's see if this works. It's already proven. Whether you engage or not is up to you. That's pretty much my approach across the board. And I'm unapologetic about that approach. Does that make sense to you a little bit? It does. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And uh, I mean, I think it comes, you're tapping, it comes with experience, right? Confidence yeah. comes with small wins and experience. And w- one thing that I'm, I'm curious about, like what, why is helping so important to you? Because you, you're in this sales career and like, what yeah. was it that made a shift from like, hey, instead of just w- working for yeah. myself, I'm going to help others? Mm-hmm. It, it's a, I've always enjoyed helping and mentoring others. Ever since I was a kid, I started to notice it. I was a fitness trainer. I loved doing it. It wasn't even really about the money. And um, before I started coaching, I had gotten promoted for a couple of years to become one of the top three sales directors of a 600-man company. And over time, I couldn't help but to notice that the majority of the people that we hired had average production. And a few did really well. And I'm the leader. I was young. I was 26, 27 years old, but I'm the leader. And I just became super fascinated with how do all these people come in here excited with goals and they want to hit the top of the charts and 
they want to make money, they want to provide, they want to do better, they want to live better, they want to, and then within three or four months, they're just barely making it again. And then they hop to the next one. And I saw all these people hopping around, hoping that the next job was going to make them the money that they deserve. If it doesn't happen quick enough, people start adapting their mindset to their budget. So no matter where you go, if your budget is 4000 a month, that's what you feel you're worth. And I was like, holy shit. No matter what I teach, no matter what I do, a lot of these people are only performing according to their belief system of what they think they're actually worth. Then I realized that it takes too long. And sometimes people have to go through you know, massive downfalls in their life before they have an epiphany. I can't wait for that. So what I'm going to do now, I tell people I'm going to force you into success. I'm going to force the skills on you. I'm going to force the accountability. I'm going to, of course, we're never going to be abusive or talk down or insult each other, but I'm going to force you to acquire these skills. And if I can get you to a point where you've made more money than you've made before, if I can get you to stay there for a little while, you're going to have a paradigm shift. And you're no longer going to remember the person who was stuck over here. You're no longer going to want to be that person. If that takes me four or five months, do I have your permission? How old are you? How old are you? How old are you? Four or five months. Do I have it or not? And what do you think most of them say? Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Doesn't mean all of them have ridiculous results, but the right ones will. You can see when I get on these topics, you can see how very quickly I get into character and I, maybe it's because I've gotten used to talking to cameras for the past four <laughs> months. <right? laughs> I'm used to being in conference rooms all over. It's something that I really pride myself with, although it's going to have to change. Now is um, 95% of the companies that I've mentored have been in person, in their office, in their training rooms. Not online, not virtually, not in a mastermind. On site, day in and day out. You know, Every week, every week, every week. Some of my clients have been with me for seven years. And uh, it's a good time, man. It's a good time. Yeah, I can really see that you're passionate about this. And, and I love that. And I also love that you found, you know, a way to help people with sales in such an ethical way, you know, and really showing that kindness do win. Yeah. And, and, and that's something yeah, yeah. that I, you know, I, the other day I was speaking with my wife and I've been, you know, in different situations in the past couple of weeks, but I've always chosen to to do the kind way and to do the right thing. And just the last couple of days, I'm starting to get so much positive things yeah. in my life. And, and I told Dude. her, like, kindness wins. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm always adjusting the way I deliver my message, but there's something I'm realizing now. The human qualities that are becoming rare in today's world are proportionally becoming more valuable. So if you possess a human quality that people are craving, you become infinitely more important to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, especially in business, you should be a pushover. You can be authoritative and compassionate at the same time. In fact, most people prefer it. Most people prefer it. But we're, we've been moving away. People are so adamant about making the money, buying the car, showing off, etc., that they're treating the, I say, if you treat the customer like another transaction, they're going to treat you like a source of information. Yeah. They're not going to choose you to do business with. Now, eventually they may have to choose someone if it's something they need, but they're going to be making that decision based on price, not relationship. And that's why everybody's so hard up when people are shopping, they go on the internet. Yeah, for some things they do. If I want to buy something from Best Buy, I'll look at Amazon. But when I'm making important decisions for my business, important decisions for my finances or my life or my home, I still want that human connection. I still want that guidance. And it's so rare. It's becoming so rare that customers are now just price shopping. And people go, you know what? Everybody just price shop. I'm like, Maybe you lack human connection. Your communication skills are outdated and your customers are fucking tired of it. Yeah. So they'll stay on the phone and talk to you, get information, ask you questions and laugh at your jokes. 
and build some rapport with you. The customer's closing you, bro. They're going to take the information and go and share this information, regurgitate this information to other salespeople. And once in a while, they'll actually find somebody that they can bond with and they'll go with that person. It still exists, but I'm seeing it becoming more and more rare. I'm seeing sales professionals that are high ticket consultants to closers become more focused on the transaction and the product than they are the customer and the customer's plans, past, present, and future. And it's having an impact on conversion. And more than ever going into 2021, companies are going to feel the wrath of having underdeveloped sales teams. Sure, you made money between 2003 and 2019. Let me see now, bro. Let me see you now. But, but how do you get unattached to the outcome, though? That's, I think that's one of the issues. Well, so you don't want to be unattached to your outcome. You actually want to be more clear about your outcome. If you and I were talking about something and you met me as a customer, I, I would teach you to say, Joe, I'm going to get to know you. I'd like to figure out everything that you want to do, find out what's most important to you, figure out your priorities. At the end of this conversation, you know, I'd like to help you decide, is this something that makes sense for you? Does it, you know, is it something that you're confident about and comfortable with? Or is it not the right time? Is it not a good fit? I'm here to help you find out what the right decision is. When we're done, we'll know everything that we need to know in order to make a decision. Whether if that decision is for us to move forward, then we'll do that together. And if it's not, then we'll, I'll keep in touch with you. Sound good? I begin with the end in mind. I've stated my outcome. Now, by design and strategy and ethical influence, I'm going to take my customer down a path so that they arrive at the decision that I want them to arrive at if it's the right decision for them. So I'm not saying that, but when you don't have that mindset, what you're doing instead is you're constantly finding a way, you're looking for a way to close your customer. Yeah. But if you're looking, if you're creating a decision-making process, you're sitting on the same side of the table as your customer. You're their partner in this process. Yes, you can educate them a little bit along the way. You may have to explain a few things along the way. You may want to talk to them about alternatives, but you need to make sure that the way you design your communication is to end where you want to end at a decision. Not a quote, not an offer, not an email, not a this, not, a, not information transfer. Decision which means you would have discussed everything that you need to discuss. And if you're not ready to make the decision, you continue the conversation at a later date, but you do not arrive at a decision until you're certain. Because if you're certain and you can explain your certainty, your customer will be ready to go. Yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah, it is. And yeah, it's a very unselfish you know, way of closing. It is, yeah. And I, I'm curious a little bit more about like you, your younger years, and we're jumping timelines here a little bit. I hope that's okay. Because we got yeah, yeah, into a fine. great conversation, but yeah. I'm I'm curious, like, how did you make the decision to move to California to drive over here, and 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 why did you end up in your car, man? So uh, I'll give you the quick one. This will be a great story to finish on. So out of college, I moved to Chicago. I'm from Peoria, Illinois, Midwest, born and raised. That's my hometown. My parents are both Lebanese. I was the only one in my family born here. And um, I moved to college. I get a decent job at a tech firm, consulting firm for SAP. They teach me, you know, I've got, you know, my mouth again, somehow, some way I'm doing business. The economy's great. 9-11 happens. A couple months after 9-11, tech sector takes a blow. I get laid off. I'm working three jobs, living paycheck to paycheck. I have one friend that lives in California. He was always bragging about how much he loved it. I went to bed one night in the winter, woke up the next day and said, what am I doing here? If I'm going to be broke, I can be broke anywhere. Why am I being broke in frozen-ass Chicago? I'm like, look, I know how to meet people. I'm confident enough to do things. If I have to rough it for a little bit, I'll be fine. So literally within 72 hours, I got up, packed as much as I could into my car, paid my roommate the next month's rent, kept $150 cash in my pocket, and drove out. And it was through that process of a couple of jobs here and there and trying to make money if I could, bad credit, no bank account, you know, the whole story. That three to four months that I was staying in my car and bouncing around and meeting people, you know, and sometimes meeting a friend and crashing at the place or something. It was through that process that I met the individuals who were starting the company that I became a part of. So if I didn't make that jump, that jump during a low time, then none of this would have happened probably. Pain is the universe's way of getting you to realize your path. But if, you, if you're that 
easily destroyed by pain. And you have reach out to people that can help pick you up. Reach out to people like me. Reach out to people like Peter. Don't just sit there and endure it month after month. Catch yourself. I'll tell you what, man. Living in my car in California was a lot nicer than trying to live in my car in Chicago. (laughs) Going from about 10 degrees outside to about 80 degrees made me feel like a pretty freaking smart person, even though I had nothing going at that time. How old were you? I was 24 years old. Wow. But did you tell your family, did did they know about that? I told my mom that I had a roommate and I found a place. I didn't tell her the truth. Um, until I had gotten into the mortgage business and had already made my first few paychecks and got an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine. She was like, you know, part of her was crying. Part of her wanted to shoot me. Part of her, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know how it is. Yeah. I mean, what, like during those times when you were sleeping in your car, were there any specific moments that was, gave you some type of epiphanies? Did you learn something that has been useful later on in life? Um, yes, I was in great physical shape. I've always stayed in shape, you know, since I was a kid. And I noticed that, you know, the chemical impact that that has on your body gives you an unfair advantage. I always tell everybody, if you don't know where to start, if you don't know what business to get into, start with your health. Because your brain and your body and your gut and your system, right, is a machine. And even now, sometimes if I slack off a little bit during the quarantine, I got lazy, I wasn't able to hit the gym, right? I noticed a physiological change in my thought process. And so I always stayed in shape. In fact, I got a job at a gym super quick just because I could, I know I could easily do it and it would give me a place to to work out and to meet people. You know, the other thing I noticed was prayer that the, I know Just like everybody else, sometimes I forget and I go months without focusing on it. But when I pray consistently, positive things start happening in my life. Those two things were sort of my, you know, my magic formula. Love that. Uh, Joe, just two more questions and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, I just want you to imagine you're 87 years old, you're sitting in a rocking chair uh, overlooking, I don't know, the ocean, mountains, whatever, whatever you, you like, and you're just kind of yeah. contemplating on life. Yeah. What do you want to have seen or like what do you want to have accomplished in order to feel, shit, this was a good run? Yeah, so a lot of what I'm doing, this is recent purpose that I've, that I've you know, thought through and I've even found myself in tears about um, on rare occasions, right? It's amazing when, when powerful emotion goes through you there's a message there. Is sales is my vehicle. Sales is my vehicle. You can see right now what's happening in the world. We have a very archaic way of educating and inspiring people. And so, you know, one of, I don't know if it's going to be through redeveloping the educational system, but my, you know, I want the impact that I have and the legacy that I leave for my family to continue to do is to continue to make people aware, to bring people together, to show you know, the entire world, how equal we are as humans, um, to get rid of people's limiting beliefs, to not make the world perfect, but sort of awaken more people. Somebody told me, there's so many of you now, there's so many of you, and I said, there's not enough. We're not powerful enough. Look at the TV, look at the media, look at the news, look at all this bullshit. There are not enough of us. Our army needs to grow. You know what I'm saying? And so if I can have that type of impact on the world somehow, or at least get the ball rolling along with other like-minded people, that's really where, you know, the the big part of my heart is right there. Love that. And final question, uh, we are all about sharing stories and tools and all of that, but I want the people that are still here now, almost an hour in to take action because my big fat goal is to help at least 10 million people to go after their dreams. That's, nice. that's what wakes me up in the morning and, and makes me work hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the first thing they can do right now to get a little bit closer to their goal or dream? Well, you know, people have different goals and different dreams. Um, I would say, you know, the simplest thing that I still do sometimes is I go online 
And I just watch video after video after video of someone who has done something similar that I aspire to do. And their energy, just like we're transferring energy, their energy, their words, their accomplishments, their problems. I need to feed my soul. Take action. Take action. Feed your soul a little bit. Put some fuel in your tank. Stop looking at only funny videos and drama and people beating each other up. Go feed your soul a little bit. The best way you know how. Whether it be through your faith, through your physiology, your body, meditation, or going and finding the people that inspire you and digesting their information and their knowledge over and over and over and over. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I play music. Other times I know I need fuel. And so when I'm getting ready, when I'm working out, when I'm driving, I'm listening to the people that I admire. And it's like fuel. It's like fuel. So fuel up. You got the whole world in your hands, most of you. Use it. Good stuff. Love that. Joe, Saman, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Got it, man. Thank you. Uh, People want to connect with you, work with you. Where can they find you? Sure. I have a couple of different programs. I also created something called Top Producer Academy. We're launching a a mastermind next month again, a low-ticket, high-impact mastermind. The best way to get a hold of me from most people tends to be Instagram. It's super easy. Everybody uses it. You've heard this a thousand times, and you'll find all my information there. We can also drop some of the links below this video if you want. Of course. Awesome, Joe. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thanks. Congrats on everything you're doing, man. God bless you, and I'll see you soon, hopefully. Thank you. And thank you, everybody that are still here watching. And I hope you enjoyed this show with Joe. Uh, Had a great time uh, getting to know him a little bit more. I'm definitely going to use some of his tools to improve my own life. And if you enjoy what we do, and if you enjoy this conversation, I need help because I want to help and impact a lot of people and I can't do it myself. I need you to show me some love, share this with somebody that needs to hear this message, uh, give us a review uh, so more people can find us. Go to my website, ilovesuccess.co. There's almost 200 of these incredible conversations. I'll give you a couple of free chapters of my book as well. Uh, that's it guys. Uh, and the last thing I want to hear from you, if you're struggling with something, if you have a goal, if you have accomplished something, if you need uh, some help, reach out to me on Instagram, Peter Jumrukovsky, or email me info at IL success. That's it. Talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.